listening or watching to the Patty G Show. I am your host, Patty G. I've got Charlie Davis of Moxie here. Thanks, Charlie, for coming in on Wednesday evening virtually. Glad we're able to do this even with everything happening. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Looking forward to being on your show. Absolutely. I appreciate that. So for those at home, what is the the quick elevator pitch of Moxie? What a great question. Moxie helps businesses thrive. Um, we help companies get new customers and better cash flow, which are two very critical needs that almost every business has, obviously. Um, but we do it uh, in a rather inno innovative way. Um, we use what's called a digital community currency um, backed by barter. So in essence, we're helping small businesses barter with each other, whether it's lawyers or doctors or painters or plumbers or plastic surgeons, uh, pretty much any type of company you can think of um, in America, um, we help those businesses do better. We help them uh, get new customers uh, and improve their cash flow uh, by increasing their sales uh, through organized barter. Okay, so it's almost kind of like a, a virtual currency, I guess. You know, we often call it a digital community currency. Okay. Um, but it's, it's, it has nothing whatsoever to do with cryptocurrencies. It, it's not Bitcoin. It's not Ethereum. You know, barter has always been around. It's older than money. You know, it's older than the written word. So <laughs> this is true. In times of trouble, you know, people turn to their neighbors and their friends and cash is tight and they tend to trade back and forth. And it happens all day long, all over the world. You know, you probably know people who trade babysitting services for, you know, a ride to work. Or, you know, today people are doing a lot more bartering in the last three weeks, you know, than they probably have in the last three years because it's so, it's so helpful for both sides. The challenge right. is really hard to find another to find a counterparty who needs what you have, right, in the same time that you need it for about the same amount. And so barter, what we call direct barter, is very, very difficult to scale, though it is just as powerful as network barter. What we do is sort of a managed barter uniquely um, using a very carefully designed uh, currency just facilitates barter across the network. So instead of one or two trading partners, you have thousands and thousands of businesses to, to partner with. Okay. So if I'm a business and I'm looking to get mm -hmm. started, how do I get started with Moxie? Yeah. So everybody starts at a zero balance and you can okay. either earn Moxie dollars first to start with, or we give most businesses an interest free line of credit uh, that they can tap into. So let's assume that, you know, your CPA firm or your dog walking service joins Moxie, right? So we're going to evaluate your company based upon how long you've been in business, how large you are, and also how, how vibrant our community is wherever you live and give you a lot of credit. And so maybe you'll start off on day one, um, giving your employees a bonus, or maybe you'll pay to have your carpets refreshed or have landscaping done outside of your office. And if you spend any of the Moxie dollars before you earn Moxie dollars, your account will go slightly into negative as if you were pulling a lot of credit. If the opposite happens first and you start getting customers first, you know, maybe somebody who's been thinking about upgrading to a to a higher CPA firm, but you know, doesn't want to spend the cash. As soon as your firm accepts Moxie, all of a sudden you'll get new customers. In that situation, you'd be earning Moxie first. So regardless of whether you earn first or spend first, um, what what just happens over time is you'll get new customers, right? So you have additional revenue. Uh, that revenue won't be free. You know, you have a cost of goods sold, whatever it happens to be. Uh, but you have additional revenue. You'll take those moxie dollars and you'll buy things that you need you need inside the network. 
Right. So it's with within the network is when it's you can go back and use it. So if I'm offering services for somebody within the accounting field or a different field and they pay me with the Moxie dollars, I can then go to, you know, an auto dealership that said, I said, hey, you know, I need some, you know, all my oil changed. I see you're on Moxie. Will you go ahead and do it that way? Yeah, absolutely. So the, you know, the, the, the person who is changing oil or fixing flat tires or wrapping cars, you know, or fixing your transmission or selling you a car, they have the same business constraints that your company does, right? Which is they need more customers and all things being equal, they prefer to spend Moxie and save cash dollars as well. And so right. whenever you can spend your Moxie dollars, you're helping out that small business, just like they're helping you as you spend them at the same time. So it's a, it's a win, win, win scenario. The more, the more volume a business does, the higher the revenue grows and the better their cash position becomes. Okay. And so from, I guess from a, from an accounting standpoint, how does that work tax wise? I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> you're going to love the answer. Um, in the 1970s, you know, during our sort of last major recessionary stagflation period, mm-hmm. barter exploded around the country. You know, it just um, got bigger and bigger. And so the federal government passed uh, TEFRA legislation around 1983, which formalized and legalized barter. So now it's regulated by the IRS as a third party record keeper. And all the government asks is that anybody who participates in a barter exchange gets a 1099B uh, and reports their income. Uh, and so you will pay taxes on your barter income, uh, but you also get a tax deduction for your barter expenses. And so you treat Moxie dollars uh, the exact same way that you would treat U.S. dollars when it moves through your system. So what most people do, you know, what I do for my company is, you know, in QuickBooks, instead of opening up a new account for Chase or Capital One, you know, or Business South, you open up a new Moxie account and you, you have a credit card that you use to spend your dollars. Or you can use our app or our online merchant services and you just treat Moxie dollars the same way you would treat cash as it moves through your business. Okay. So for accounting purposes, it's just another bank account. Yeah. It's it's by law a one to one ratio. Okay. That that's that's interesting. Yeah, it's 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 not very well known. The right. better the economy does, the less interest and desire there is for barter. You know, mm-hmm. in our economies Except for 2008 and a few other minor bumps in the road, America's been on a tear for, you know, 25 years. You know, and so barter has sort of has subsided over time, but it's about to make a huge, you know, a huge comeback. There have already been a few national articles in Bloomberg, some regional people talking about it. There are Facebook posts popping up everywhere. You know, barter is uh, is about to blow up for the same reason it always does. The reason it did in the 70s, the reason it did in the 30s. You know, the, the tighter cash is, the more people are looking for ways to save their cash, you know, and to prove their to prove their company. Right. You know, because you for some instances, you may not be able to use your moxie dollars to, you know, pay your loans that you have to the bank. But on the flip side, if you're a vendor, like if you're a restaurant and you're mm-hmm. trying to buy alcohol and, you know, replenish your supplies when you're going to open after this crisis, you can if they're on the moxie network, buy your you know, your goods from them and then sell them without having to dip into your cash reserve. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a big part of it. But as important for the restaurant is they, they earned those moxie dollars because they were able to bring in revenue from what would otherwise have been empty tables. And so mm-hmm. not only are you saving, let's say a restaurant gets an extra $10,000 a month, you know, in moxie revenue, as they spend those moxie dollars, they're obviously saving that cash. 
But the critical part of the equation to realize is the restaurant only has those $10,000 because they're part of Moxie. So they're right. spending, in most cases, they're spending new revenue they wouldn't have otherwise had. Um, so it helps coming in and it helps going out. Right. Especially in, in these times where oh. we're going to start trading services as opposed to trading cash. Like, oh, can I come wash your car in exchange for, sure. you know, some bread or something like that? That's kind of extreme. But so what I guess for valuing services, what kind mm -hmm. of ratio have you seen between companies? What do you mean? Like if I charge, let's say, for example, I charge $250 to do your tax return. Is right. that a one-to-one -one 250 in Moxie dollars, or is there some inflation or deflation that's occurring? Yeah, so that's part of the, the how the IRS regulates it, is, and that's what we ask you to do as well. We want you to charge your normal prices. Okay. So, for example, you know, if you go to a restaurant and order a steak, right? You went to mm -hmm. Mantor's or, or Portobello's or, or um, City Pork here in Baton Rouge or, or 500 restaurants, you know, around four states that, that accept Moxie. Um, the prices are pre-printed when you get there, right? right? Whether you're ordering a steak, you know, or chicken or just a bottle of wine, you know exactly what it costs up front, but the restaurant doesn't know how you're going to pay till the meal's over. So whether you pay in cash, Visa, MasterCard, or Moxie, you're always paying the same price. And okay. so to, make it, to, to enforce that, we ask all the service businesses basically to do the same thing. You know, a Moxie customer is not expecting a big discount, um, mm -hmm. but they're not expecting you to inflate your prices either. And so for this to work, and we police the network. We need people to charge, you know, the fair market value they would have charged for U.S. dollars. Okay. So, what is your what is your background? Like, how did you get into Moxie? Yeah. So I, uh, in fact, came through. I think one of your previous guests, Brian Rodriguez, at GataWorks. I'm not sure if you knew that or not. Um, uh, like coming through Moxie with Brian, or working for? Yeah, Brian? that's how the whole Moxie thing came was through Brian. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I was, uh, I helped Brian sort of start Gataworks while wow, 10, 50, a long time ago, you know, uh, he worked out of my office at Liquid Ventures and I was sort of the financial partner and he was the operator of the company. He's done an incredible job, just, you know, an amazing job building Gataworks. And Brian joined a local barter exchange called Partners One. Uh, and at first I didn't really, you know, I didn't really pay a lot of attention, you know, but this is a small business. And Brian started doing more and more business, getting new revenue and spending more money. And finally, I said, Brian, what, what in the world is going on here? It's like, this is America. You can't have like your own currency. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure this is not legal. <laughs> we have to have a serious talk about what's going on here. Um, and, and so back then, there was no credit card. There was no app. There were just paper checks. And Brian was going to restaurants and dinners and, you know, paying for this little sort of pretend little paper check that he would give. You know, and it, it would all work out. And so I started in, you know, just looking into it. I have a, you know, a background in economics and a real interest, in, you know, in monetary policy and monetary theory. Um, and so the more I looked into it, just the more fascinating I, came, I became. I sort of fell down the proverbial, you know, rabbit hole. Uh, okay. And then a few years ago, um, a friend of mine had been an investor um, in what, you know, what became Moxie eventually and asked me to look into it, to research it. Um, to see if I could help him raise some money. And I ended up investing in the company, um, becoming the president, rebranding at Moxie. And we've been off to the races ever since. But it originally came through Gatorworks. And most people have actually to this day never heard of Barter unless you personally know somebody or, or sort of fall into it you know, the way I did. We, we do you know, um, over $20 million a year right now across our entire network. Um, but still, most people who live in the cities that we operate in have, have never heard of Moxie. 
Yeah, and that's that's very true. I've, I've seen some moxie signs at a couple of restaurants. You know, like yeah. you were saying, uh, City Pork, for yeah. example, they've got their little moxie sign, and I've seen like the moxie cards and whatnot. But prior to you know meeting you at that event with eBay, yeah. I had no idea that moxie was even around. I'd heard of Partners before, mm -hmm. but not necessarily moxie. So Partners One is about tw is twenty years old now. Okay. It predates Moxie. The, the original founders of Partners decided to launch a company called Trade Authority to take their model, you know, of, of fair and honest, you know, and quality barter networks around the country, um, with some success so far. But one of the things we changed was it, there used to be a different name and logo for every community, and so once we rebranded most of the communities, Moxie and all the stickers went up. You know, the, a lot more self-awareness is happening now. If you're in New Orleans, you might see a Moxie sticker on a restaurant, right? You might go to Andrea's or you might see a Moxie sticker at an office park, you know, or a dentist or a florist. And so whether you're in Lafayette or like Charles or New Orleans or even Monroe and Treeport, you'll see Moxie stickers all over the place. And so having one brand is really helping us to build, you know, to build our awareness. Right. I mean, because it's a community driven type of feature you know it doesn't work with just one person you have to integrate a whole group of people and so what was the the early stages of that like trying to get it integrated you know what was your first business approach that you took yeah so the first thing we did was to just experiment you know i mean we know we have something incredible and we know that it works we haven't cracked the code yet we hadn't cracked the code yet as to how to share the concept and so we did direct mail we sent sales reps door to door. We hosted events. We called people on the phone. You know, we did we did all the normal things. We used GatorWorks for digital online marketing. Right, we did all the things you could you could think of. Um, what we discovered is the most powerful way to expand this concept is through referrals and quality testimonials from people that you know and trust. Okay. Now, barter is just enough removed from the the everyday psyche that. Um, People need a little more time to to take it in to understand it. It's really easy to get to get confused by what's happening, right? Is it a is it barter? Is it a cryptocurrency? Is it something new? Before you know it, they're confused and they're back to, you know, back to flipping burgers at their restaurant. And business owners are busy, you know. Um, so through different experimentation, through trying different things, we discovered that encouraging our existing members who love us, right? We have four thousand happy customers. Um, motivating them and empowering them to tell more business owners is, is the best thing you can do to help to help scale the system. Okay. And so I want to kind of go back to that initial time that you came up with, or not really came up with it, but discovered the concept around it with Brian. Sure. What were you doing at the time and how did you get there? Uh, so back then I was an investor in Gatorworks and my company is called Liquid Ventures. And I'm okay. owning, you know, a company called Varsity Vest, which is a clothing business. And I've done some consulting work. And I started a company, oh, wow, let's see, Event Connect. I've done tons of different things. Um, and I got to the point where I had so many businesses going at one time, I was embarrassed to tell people. Because it, it just sounded ridiculous. you know. And I was right. like, wow, this is not good. This cannot be good. How can I possibly have all these little tiny businesses? They were, they were basically successful, but not, not killing it. You know? Right. Um, so when, I when you started, when you roll down the cards and all the different business cards fall yeah, down, they're all yours. You know, okay, it's time to scale <laughs> some of these back. <laughs> um, so through Brian, I discovered a program called EO, the Entrepreneurs Organization. So I joined that, you know, many years ago and started to learn about focus, 
how to stop doing so many things. I mean, and I love, I'm an entrepreneur. I love to start companies. You know, if you have a problem, I have a business idea for you. <laughs> and I love to start nonprofits. When Katrina happened, you know, we started a nonprofit called Share Your Home. You know, and the next thing you know, we're on national television. We're running it this out of my office and it almost bankrupted us because it grew overnight so fast. And so for those experiences, I learned to focus on areas where I have unique advantages, where I know a lot about it, where I have, you know, relationships where there's there's more than just we're going to probably do pretty good. Like we're uniquely qualified to be the best in the world at it. Mm-hmm. So my last, so I, the process of learning that, you know, I helped build an education company called Mastery Prep. You know, and we scaled that really quickly from a few hundred thousand to a few million, you know, just in a matter of years. Uh, with some really careful planning and incredible product, you know, from my business partner, uh, Craig Gehring. Um, and then that was done. I moved on to, you know, on to, on to build Moxie. But it all goes back to what I learned with Brian and the, and the EO organization, which was really just focus, you know, to pick a smaller number of things at, you know, at one time. Right. And really, you know, figuring out what your skill set is and then just dialing in and going feet first into that specific skill set rather than a lot of people are, oh, let me jump on this. Let me jump on this. Let me jump on that. Sure. In reality, you can only devote so much time to so many different things without just becoming completely useless and all of them at the same time. Yeah, exactly. You know, Jack Welch back in the day used to say, you know, either be number number one or number two in the market in the world or get out of it. Right. right. Not everybody had the luxury of sort of that perspective that GE did. But we're all uniquely gifted with, you know, we're all created by God, uniquely gifted to things we're incredibly great at and things we're terrible at. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think part of maturing is understanding which side of the aisle you're on, you know, which, which things can you be the best in the world at? I'm sure you've seen the hedgehog concept of, you know, what do I enjoy? What can I be the best in the world at? And what will people pay me to do? You know, if you can, if you can thread that Venn diagram of those three things, you can have, you know, an incredible experience. But if you pick, also, if you pick a few things you kind of like, and a few things you're kind of good at, well, then before you know it, you know, you just create a bad job for yourself. Right. Right. <laughs> You know, a friend told me a few times that there's some jobs in the world that are just terrible six-figure jobs. You know, if you're, it's a terrible $100,000 a year job and an amazing $250,000 a year job because you're going to work just as hard to make the first 100000 as you are the quarter million. You know, and so you have to figure out what your, you know, what your sweet spot is. And for me right now, it's, it's moxie. I'm just, you know, rather obsessed with the idea of can we scale one community at a time, scale this concept of community currency that really empowers business owners to grow, you know, around the world. Right. Okay. So what, where are y'all at right now and kind of how did y'all, you know, grow from that one business into the next? So we started partners was the Genesis, you know, 20 years ago, trade authority, the software company is 10 years old now. And I got involved in Moxie about two years ago, or I involved in the company trade authority about two years ago. And then we, we created the brand, uh, Moxie. I'll tell you, we spent, for example, about three months just creating the logo Moxie and the word Moxie. You know, we wanted a term that sounded like a verb. We could say, let's Moxie this or let's Moxie that. We wanted it to be a, a word that we could own, right? That sounded fun. And so we went through over 1,500 different ideas before we settled on Moxie. I mean, okay. I asked everybody I knew, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? You know, three months later, my business partners just didn't care anymore. Like, Charlie, I don't care. Just pick a name. It doesn't matter. You know, um, and we were really close. There were a few days that I was like, let's just pick a name. Does it really matter that much? And in hindsight, it's been critical. 
you know, um, Moxie also, you know, M-O-X-E-Y looks like money with one letter different, right? right. Sounds like a verb. It's easy and fun to say, and it's an abbreviation for medium of exchange all at the same time. Uh, and medium of exchange is the core definition of money. Uh, and my friend Eric Martin, Eric Martin at Ecotema worked really hard putting together, you know, amazing colors for us, logos, concepts. And so we get tons of compliments on the brand and it really helps people have, you know, more confidence in what we're doing because we took the brand, you know, the brand so seriously. Right. And we got uh, Patrick Martin chiming in saying that there were some fun times coming up with that name. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Patrick's a close friend of mine. And uh, everybody's a close friend of mine, including my kids. I drove them crazy. I had internal contests. I have four kids. Each of them were required by law to come up with a series of names, except for probably the four-year-old <laughs> at the time. You know, my daughters do logos. I asked my parents, my wife's parents. You know, we were out in Colorado on a trip. I asked all those people. You know, we almost named it Wham for a while. I was really close to naming Damn. it Wham. Oh, how did y'all get stuck on Wham? I. There's an idea about honest weights and measures and okay. a big philosophy behind behind Moxie is an honest currency that small business owners can feel good about and it's fair. Um, and so we were, we, we were really close to Wham. We were really close to M1, you know, you know, M0, M1 or you know, sort of the jargon for the monetary base, right? Whether you're talking about checking accounts or savings accounts or CDs. And so I wanted something that would reference money. Um, yeah. So it was just tough. It was brutal, but we once we fell Moxie, we, we fell in love with it. Yeah. Now we got Chip Davis chiming in as well, saying thanks for the help from Moxie. <laughs> Thanking Gary. Yeah. Okay. So throughout that that time of coming up with the name, I'm sure there was a lot of sleepless nights and there a lot was. of you know stresses, not within just internally that you were dealing with, but externally. And I'm sure that kind of you know fleshed out onto other areas in your life. How did you manage going through? that time oh going through just the stress of, of moxie just the stress of getting a company started you know people oh, in wow. startups they think that you know they're going to come up with the idea you know i just finished watching social network the other night mm -hmm. you know they're going to come up with the idea build it in six hours and then the next day it's going to blow up when in reality you said you went through 1500 different name variations so clearly that wasn't the case yeah i have started numerous businesses and none of them have ever been easy when we started our clothing company, Varsity Vests, I had to figure out, and this was probably, I don't know, 15 years ago maybe, I had to figure out how to source and manufacture custom silk products in China. And this one back was when Alibaba was brand new. When you just couldn't you just couldn't call China on the phone and order fabric. Yeah. I, I think that took probably 18 months just to get the first really high-quality samples in. 18 months of learning how we made collegiate products, which means we made LSU ties and tuxedo vests, and we did it for probably 20 or 30 universities um, by the time we were done. But just figuring out that first concept took about 18 months and figuring out how to get licensed from LSU. And so starting a business is never easy. It gets easier the more you do it. You know, at this point, you could parachute me anywhere in the world and I could probably start a company in 30 days because I've done it so many times. But you have to understand the, the law side, right? And the financial right. side, what your upfront capital is going to be. And is it going to be perfect in the beginning or are you going to have time? And how much time are you going to spend on it? So, you know, a, an important philosophy is simply, you know, not quitting, just deciding, okay, I'm going to do this. 
And I've joked with my partners many times that, you know, either Moxie will be successful or I'll die. But one of those two things is, is going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. Matt, yeah. Matter. The determination level of just making it happen is so crucial, especially for entrepreneurs yeah. getting started within businesses, you know, to not face that first wall or that first rejection. I mean, how many no's did you go through before you got a yes when talking to businesses to incorporate Moxie? Oh, we go through no's all the time. I mean, just 1,500 no's on the name alone. You know, we, we focus right now on quality referrals. So we have a high sign-up rate. It doesn't cost much to join Moxie. And it adds so much value that a lot of businesses, even though they might not fully understand how it works, you know, we'll, we'll try it and, and see how it goes for them. But we've been working hard to raise money, and that has been really, really challenging uh, it'll probably be easier, you know, in the coming months as we really start to scale. But we've gotten, you know, tons of, you know, tons of no's there. I, I think part of being a successful entre entrepreneur is just, you know, having the discipline uh, and the perseverance to to stick with it. You know, I learned when I was in college at LSU, I needed one more one more class to graduate, for example, and that class was full, and so I went to the professor. And I said, hey, I, I have to graduate. I need to be in your class. He's like, sorry, the class is full. And I said, well, I can appreciate that. It says right here it's full. <laughs> I did. However, I need to move to back to Washington, D.C., and I have to take your class to graduate according to LSU. So, therefore, I have to get in your class. What do I need to do? He says, you can't get in my class. The class is full. And I said, well, here's the deal in case you didn't hear. <laughs> like, I, have to, I have to graduate. He says, okay, I'll tell you what. Go talk to the, um, the head of the faculty, department head. Right. And this is, I think, an economics class. So I go down. Hey, here's the deal. So and so said to come talk to you. I have to have this class to graduate. This is, he looks it up on the computer. So sorry. The class is full. He said, Well, what do you suggest I do? He's like, I don't know. The class is full. So I just sat in his office and stared at him. And I was super nice. I was like, Hey, so, you know, I need to graduate. This is the final semester. I need to go back to Washington, D.C. What do I need to do to get in this class? He's like, you can't get in the class. The class is full. And I was like, I can appreciate the class is full, but just to be clear, I have to get into this class. And so we were at an impasse, and I just sat in his office for what, what seemed like an attorney. It was probably only 10 or 15 minutes. And this is a true story. The professor walked by to grab this guy to see if they wanted to go to lunch. And they look at me and look at each other, and they said, this guy really wants to be in your class. <laughs> And they, I said, I have to graduate. I have to get in class. And they're like, okay, you can get in. And they said, fine. And went to lunch. And that was it. <laughs> they wanted to see how dedicated you were to get into I don't the class. Know. You know, to this day, I don't know if it was a, a private joke between themselves or if it was really that difficult. I have no idea. But in a matter of minutes, I was, I was in that class. And that's, it, it's all about determination and finding what you have to do to get to where you want to go. I had a similar situation at LSU where I, same thing. I wanted to graduate in another semester and I had to cram 30 extra hours into it. You know, I had to graduate with two degrees in accounting and entrepreneurship. And I'm like, look, I have to graduate next semester and I need this class. Whenever I made my decision, it was halfway through the semester. I was past the ad drop date and they're like, look, you're, you're past the ad drop date. You can't get in the class. Maybe go talk to the professor and see what they can do. So I talked to the professor and they're like, I can't do anything. If you can maybe get a letter from the dean or someone saying that they give you authorization to jump in the class halfway through the semester, that's fine. So for three hours, I spent running back and forth across the BEC, talking yep. to the dean, talking to the advisor, talking to the professor. And finally, 
after a good three hours and interrupting four meetings the professor had with students just walking in the door saying, hey, I need to talk. Uh, I got in. So I can understand and appreciate determination. Same concept. Yeah. There, there's, And as long as you're nice about it and persistent yes. and have all your ducks in a row, you know, where you're not, we're not being rude, where you're not asking for something ridiculous, or even if you are asking for something ridiculous, you know, I, I think there's something about persistence that impresses, you know, the person you're trying to convince and makes them more willing to consider, you know, more willing to be open you know, to what you're trying to get done. Right. You can, you can go a lot further, you know, at saying please and thank you and being over generous and over kind with people as opposed to storming in and like not taking no for an, for an answer while you can still have in the back of your head of not taking no, it's okay. Let me approach this in a different light than just, mm -hmm. I need this to happen now. It's okay. What can I do to help make this happen? I'll do anything that you need me to do to get it done. Yeah. And then exactly. actually following through. Yeah, and figure out what those, and maybe you decide, you know what, I don't want to pay that price. It's not that important, right? But but if it's super important to you and you don't quit, in my experience, most of the time it works out. Yeah, and that's, for some people, that's what an entrepreneur is at heart, finding yeah. something they got to go do and then figuring out whatever it is they need to do to make it happen. Yeah, and, you know, the stress and the worry about, you know, what if it, what if it doesn't happen is always worse than if it actually doesn't happen. Yeah. You build, build up so much in your head. Oh, this could go wrong. This could go wrong. And for me at this point, I'm like, okay, what's the worst thing that could go wrong? All right, let's go. Yeah. Once, once you accept the absolute worst, yeah. there's the amount of no's that you build up in your head kind of seem to just go away. Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, the more of a track record you build up, you know, you leave a trail of good quality relationships behind you, people you can draw upon or, you know, ask for referral. You know, that's something else I learned. It probably took me too long to learn that as I kept thinking, well, from a logical perspective, if I just call person A who I know likes X, Y, and Z, that'll be just as good if I got a friend to introduce us, you know, and it, it just never works out that way. You know, I think our our, our brains on, on some fundamental level, we're, we're wired to help people that we consider friends and family. And so anytime, if you're, if you're an entrepreneur, you're trying to get something done, it's always better um, to have a quality introduction. Even if it's just right. a two-second email or a text, you know, it's it sort of puts you, you know, inside that person's friend zone. He's, his default is going to be to take good care of you. Whereas if you just cold call somebody, their natural assumption is, well, this is a telemarketer or who is this person? Their natural assumption is not to help you. Right. It's even even if leading with, hey, I got your name and number from so and so, yeah. is even better than just calling somebody up cold and saying, hey, let's chat. And like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute back up. But if you say, Hey, I called and Charlie said that you were a great guy. You could really help me out with issues X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And I would love to, you know, take you to lunch or dinner, buy you a coffee, whatever. Then they're more willing than just you calling up and saying, Hey, let's go get coffee. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And then if they really respect the person who introduced you, you know, then they're going to go above and beyond their way. Not to, not so much for you, but because the, they care about the relationship that that's sort of the in-between guy. Right. So moving Moving on to kind of what is happening today, um, mm -hmm. I know we just crossed into what I think sixteen or seventeen thousand people with COVID nineteen. Mm -hmm. What is Moxie doing during these times that everybody seems to kind of be falling at the wayside within their businesses? So we're doing a lot. We're a network of over four thousand businesses, you know, across sixteen cities and four states. And the the most important thing is to take care of our members. Right. So we have. 
executive directors and staff, very high quality, experienced people who know what they're doing, who are reaching out to the members saying, hey, how can I help? You know, what, what do you need? Do you need gift cards for your employees? You know, are you a restaurant? Do you need more paper products so you can sell food? Do you, are you closed now and you want to take this time to refurbish your restaurant? You know, do you need health supplies? It's just sort of how can we, you know, how can we help? So that's, that's the first thing, you know, sort of the first thing to do. Um, the second thing, there was a project uh, that Amy Supp kicked off um, called Front Porch um, Photography. Yeah. There's, one, there's one in Baton Rouge, one in New Orleans, and they have just exploded. In essence, Amy recruited a number of photographers, most of which are part of the Moxie Network, to do free family portraits on their front porches. So a socially distance approved family portrait, and the idea has exploded. Yes. You know, every time I get an alert on Facebook, there's 200 more people who have joined this group. The waiting list for families and communities is so long. I can't imagine that they'll ever get to all of them. I think the waiting list is growing faster than they can handle it. Um, but it's been great. The, the people love it. The photographers love it. Basically, the families that get photographed are, are volunteering to buy a couple of gift cards for local restaurants. And so okay. you join the project. It's very, it's incredibly efficient and organized. So a photographer, uh, two people will go into a neighborhood. Amy has been building this process and procedure so she can scale it. And she'll have a photographer and an assistant with a schedule and a map and everybody's lined up, right? So the photographer goes, you know, gets a great photograph, talks to the family, takes some pictures, moves on to the next person while the assistant is posting on social media, tagging people, bragging about the restaurants they're helping and the small businesses they're buying gift cards from, right? And it's just this incredible, uh, happy moment. And the, and the pictures are incredible. You know, they are high quality portrait worthy photographs of these families uh, being captured in a very, very unique moment in time. And I think they'll be, they'll yes. be twisted for, for a long time. So that's that's one thing we're doing. Uh, we are also, you know, getting more and more calls from people who want to start Moxie communities, you know, in their town. And so we're trying to put like a Moxie in a box to figure out how can we empower entrepreneurs out there, any of you watching the show right now who want to launch a Moxie community in your area, you know, how can we, um, there's a lot of things we've learned over 20 years, you know, a lot of do's, a lot of don'ts, a lot of be careful of. And so we're really, really good at building these communities. And part of the secret sauce, is just getting the first 25 businesses together. You know, if you're, if you're one, you could be the best restaurant in America or the world's greatest plastic surgeon. But if you're one guy in a town taking Moxie, then you have nobody to, nobody to come to your store and you have nobody to spend money with, you know, the first 25 businesses are critical, you know, a few restaurants, a dentist, a landscaper. And so we put together a list of 25 businesses and we help those um, champions build their core, you know, their core group. And from there um, we teach them how to recruit new businesses and grow it inside the network. You know, we've been toying with the idea of taking our monetary policy. Um, we, we're really good at managing the credit. You know, it sounds like barter is easy, and it is at first, but it can be really dangerous. The, the world, literally the world is littered with hundreds, if not thousands, of barter exchanges that have, that have gone belly up. Um, they don't go out of business. They just become stagnant. And the reason is well-intentioned people who don't understand some minor, not minor details, but significant policies around monetary policy, it just breaks. It, it happens all the time. And so, you know, we have, you know, 20 years of data now. We're really good at, at managing the money base. And so we've been thinking about how can we take our philosophy of a strong dollar and do some sort of private stimulus. 
So if you take, you know, our volume that we do right now in South Louisiana and extrapolate that from Texas to to North Carolina, which is a huge part of the country, you know, it's almost almost 25 percent of the U.S. You're talking about a you know, a economy that, well, pre-virus, you know, would have had a GDP around $6 trillion, you know, so a big, huge swath of America. Um, you know, we think we could deploy about $500 million in instant stimulus to small businesses who could tap into the Moxie network to buy things that they need. You know, and so we're trying, we're thinking right now, you know, what, what's next for Moxie? How can we really dig down right now and help as, help as many business owners as we can, which means not just helping the owners and the partners, but helping their employees, you know, when, right. when we can help a business owner improve their cash flow and improve the lives of their best employees, that's a that's a win-win-win scenario for everybody. That's kind of the sweet spot of what what Moxie does, right? And that's especially now it's making sure those employees of the businesses are taken care of because they're out there spending those dollars in the community, keeping that local economy going within their wages they take in. You know, so I've seen it's very crucial for small businesses to stay open. They're employing these employees, but it's also making sure that you're able to pay them so they can maintain their life in a certain degree to keep the economy going to this bounce back is so much shorter than they anticipate it's going to take to get back to normal. Yeah, exactly. You know, one of our companies here, um, Transformix, it's a partner's one member. You know, I think the first day or the second day this happened called and ordered gift cards for all their employees, you know. So on day one, they rolled out and started putting cards in the pockets of all, it's a lot of employees, you know, so which means it's a little bit better cash flow for every single one of their employees on the spot. And it in no way negatively impacted the cash flow of the company. Right. So that, that we're in essence, you know, we're a tool that a smart business owner can use um, for a little bit of leverage right now that they can solidify their company and help their employees, you know, do better. And, and as we all know, the better care you can take of your employees, the better care they'll take of your customers and the healthier and happier your, your entire business will be. Absolutely. So what for those, you know, like you said earlier, the entrepreneurs that maybe want to start in Moxie community within their own community, what do they need to do as in regards to, you know, from step A to step Z, what do they need to do? Yeah. The first thing to do, go to MoxieUSA.com. So it's M-O-X-E-Y USA.com. You can learn about Moxie. There'll be a number of places in there where forms where you can ask for more information and we can get back in touch with you or do the same thing on our Facebook page, you know, post, post a comment that you're interested in starting a community and tell us where, you know, and we'll be in touch with you and we'll be putting together sort of a kit, you know, that walks you through the step one, step two, step three, things you have to do as you want to build a Moxie community, um, wherever you happen to be, whether it's Florida or, you know, or Texas or North Carolina, you know, we've done this enough times now where we're really good at it and it's, the first part is just finding a small group of business owners who trust you. You know, this is part of the success of a community program like ours is having trust in the community, which means you have to be, you know, it's more important to be highly ethical than it is to be highly intelligent. You know, we know, we already know what to do. So we need a good work ethic and somebody that's really, really trustworthy. You know, the kind of person the community relies on and when times are tough. If you can get somebody that has those two qualities we can help them build an incredible, incredible thing in their area that could help hundreds or thousands of business owners in a, in a right. very short amount of time. Okay. So starting to kind of wrap up, I like to ask, what are two lessons that you've learned throughout this process of, you know, it doesn't even have to be limited to building just Moxie over the course of your, 
I guess, career within the multiple businesses you've opened, mm -hmm. what are two lessons that have stuck with you throughout it all? Yeah, I think I, I touched on some of them earlier, but I think one of the most important things I learned is focus. You know, it took me a long time to, to get there. I sort of prided myself on all the things that I could do, you know, do well. Um, but when I started focusing on one or two things at a time, I really became extraordinarily more successful, you know, um, just focusing there. You know, I've also learned, you know, I, I sort of fell in this accidentally. I, I had the luxury of spending lots of time weeding and thinking, you know, about big problems. You know, um, many years ago, I, I spent, I think, two weeks thinking about one problem and meeting a buddy of mine for coffee for like three hours a day for like two weeks. Um, and that's all we did. And we solved the problem. So, so sometimes it just takes um, a lot of reading and a lot of time and a lot of thinking time. And there's a saying in the business world, you know, you want to work on your business and not in your business. And that sounds great, but it's, it's really hard to do. And so if you're, if you're in the trenches and you're slammed all day long, returning phone calls and, you know, doing customer service and doing sales and typing in checks and all the normal things that a, that a business owner has to do. If, if all of your mental capacity is spent there, then very little time is spent on the business, which means you might miss out on, you know, on massive worldwide changes that are happening. I mean, no one's going to miss out on, on unfortunately, a, a pandemic like we're going through now. You know, but, right. but I've spent a lot of time thinking about, all right, you know, what would our company do, you know, the next time there was a significant economic downturn? You know, so I've got, you know, a few years thinking about, all right, what what is going to happen next and what are we going to do? What are we going to do when it happens? You can never know when it's going to happen. Right. But but no one should be surprised that we're going through this sort of circumstance right now. I mean, it's almost exactly 100 years, you know, from the last major the Spanish flu that's swept the world. Right. We're not you know, we're 100 years from from World War One, less than that from World War Two, less than that from the Cold War, from 9-11. I mean, there's. You know, you rarely find a decade or more where there isn't some, you know, some crisis where you're going to need lots of cash and you're going to have to be prepared for, you know, for what happens next. And so I think that, you know, spending time thinking and contemplating outside of the day-to-day -day business is critical for people who want to scale, you know, a really large, a really large enterprise. Right. Okay. And that's, I mean, history repeats itself as history tells us. Yeah. I like the saying that, that history may not repeat itself, but it certainly rhymes. You know? Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the U.S. the U.S. dollar, you know, was started in 1913 by a guy named Benjamin Strong, when the Federal Reserve was started. But you know, it has gone through so many transformations. You know, in the 20s and 30s and the 40s and the 60s. I mean, it just is a different thing than it was, you know, 170 years ago. You know, today the the British pound is probably the oldest continually operating currency in the world, and so. While the odds are not good that the U.S. dollar will ever stop being the reserve currency of the world anytime soon, you know the odds are 100 percent that eventually it will. And so, while you can't predict when it's going to happen, you know certainly we can all know that eventually it will happen. And that's true of you know so many things. One of my favorite you know philosophers and authors, a guy named Nassim Taleb, who wrote you know the Black Swan Theory. And I've been you know on Twitter and social media following people talking about this virus probably since. You know, early January, uh, and Taleb wrote a really short academic paper in January about how bad this was going to be worldwide. And I thought to myself, "Wow, this guy's really smart. I can't believe he's falling for this." You know, that that was my initial reaction. You know, right? Uh, this was early January, but I read the paper and I read the notes and the footnotes, and I thought, "Hmm, 
I better, you know, I better pay attention to this. And so, you know, this, you know, the information is out there that, that you need to, to be successful as long as you're, you know, willing to think log the time, you know, to process it and have the, the perseverance you need not to, you know, not to quit when it seems, when it seems like all hope is lost, you know, it never obviously is. Right. There's always that over the horizon, the light at the end of the tunnel, whatever the phrase may be. There's always that upside. All those, phrases, gotta, all those phrases. Absolutely. You just yeah. got to keep pushing through the darkness, right? Yeah. I mean, most cliches are cliches for a reason because there's not all of them. Some of them are ridiculous, you know? Right. I mean, like, you know, sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know, that's antithetical to the truth, you know? So there are right. certainly some aphorisms and cliches that are bad, but a lot of them have a lot of a lot of historical knowledge packed into these really, really, you know, brief concepts. Absolutely. So kind of two more, two more questions left. Sure. What about Baton Rouge is so attractive and why, why do Moxie here? Why start Moxie here? Yeah, we get, we get that question a lot. Um, you know, Moxie was started here. Partners One was started here in Baton Rouge. I grew up in Santa Mall, which I like to tell people is a suburb of Gonzales. Uh, and then went to, you know, went to LSU. Uh, before that, I went to Louisiana School of Natchitoches, you know, uh, an incredible, incredible high school. So my family's here. We love Baton Rouge. It's a great town from LSU football, from the food, the culture. It's a great place to be. It's also, a, you know, it, it's a city that has more than its fair share of problems, obviously. But there's strong leadership here in the business community, you know, um, in the church community, people who are doing their best to, to improve this this community. Um, and so I, I love, I love living here and I have four kids and I, you know, I love raising my family here. So from all that is important. And also this size city, you know, is really well for, for something like Moxie, you know, it'd be a lot tougher to build in New York city or even New Orleans is harder, you know, um, Baton Rouge, these sort of mid tier cities. I think Baton Rouge is what 95 in the, in the country and from a size perspective is good. You know, it's a big city, but it, it's not so big that you get lost. Right. Okay, so kind of following up on that, what is one thing you would change about Baton Rouge if given the opportunity? Yeah, I think that you know there's still too much you know inequality in Baton Rouge, you know, in our entire in our entire state. I think all too often, you know, well-intentioned people are trying to improve the situation and they make it worse. You know, the to me, the law of unintended consequences is one of the most powerful laws out there, and so it's it can be really really hard to fix a problem, you know, so often you, you mean well, right. And someone with means has a great idea and a, and a decent sized checkbook. And before you know it, they've made the problem worse. Right. You know, you know, I think some of the inequality issues we have here in Baton Rouge, uh, if I had to pick just one, I mean, the, the obvious answer is traffic. You know, I think, <laughs> it's great now. What are you talking about? <laughs> ah, it's, it's a little worse already. You know, uh, people are starting to go back to work. I think probably too soon. I think if, you know, if I could wave a magic wand, I would build so many roads that would impact the spot price of concrete. You know, um, but but unfortunately, you know, infrastructure should have been built 20 years ago. You, know, you just you just can't throw a road down where a house is now. You know? and so we have to do a lot to fix our infrastructure problems. I mean, it's it's tough to move across the city during a large part of the day, and it adds such variability into your planning. It makes it difficult. You know. I mean, on a good day, it's fast. and On a bad day, it's really, really bad. You just, if you have an important meeting, you don't know if it's going to be good or average or really bad, you know? And so it right. causes, you know, our, 
our insurance rates to go up. It causes lost time. I think it's, you know, it's probably one of the areas that our city should focus on. You know, that and education are critical things that I would you know, improve here. Between, you know, lowering the traffic rates by increasing infrastructure, increasing school choice, supporting charter schools, you know, making so that any kid, regardless of, you know, their socioeconomic standards can get a great education. You know, I was blessed to go to Senegal High School and then Louisiana School in Natchitoches, which is, you know, easily one of the top high schools in the country, you know, and so I was very, very fortunate to get a great education and I, it's certainly changed my life. And so I, it breaks my heart that we have so many kids stuck, you know, stuck in family schools here. Right. I think those are all great things that need to be improved within the community. And it's, yeah. we take one step each day to try and do the better, the better job that we can. So for mm -hmm. people I, wanting to get, for people wanting to get more involved with Moxie, what is a good resource or what is a good way for them to do that? Yeah. So the website, moxieusa.com, I see somebody put it in the chat group. Thanks. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Charlie Davis. We're also Moxie's all over LinkedIn. We're on Facebook. Uh, you can email me, uh, cdavis at moxieusa.com. We'd love to hear from anybody uh, that wants to plug into what we're doing here in South Louisiana or really anywhere in the country. You know, this is an incredible time, probably for a lot of people who are out of work, looking for something to do that can both help themselves and help their communities at the same time. Perfect. Well, thank you so very much, Charlie, for coming on. I really appreciate your time. Um, I know during these times it's tough, but I think everybody's kind of got a lot Yeah, thanks for having me. I really hands. enjoyed it. Love yeah. you, too. Oh, yes. So for everybody listening, everybody watching, you are listening and watching <laughs> to the greatest rendition. Hopefully not for much longer. It's, I think you got to get America back to work. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for everybody listening Damn. and watching, uh, this is the latest rendition of the Patty G Show. I am your host, Patty G, with Charlie Davis from Moxie. We are signing off and have a good night.